All right, we got here Lauren Ammon, founder and CEO of Performance Reimagined. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh, thanks so much for having me. I love podcasts. I love having these conversations. So let's go. Let's do it. How often do you podcast? Well, I have my own podcast, which we run every other week. And recently, because my kids have been in school, I've dived down a little bit being a guest. But before that, I was any anywhere between three and four times a month. Wow. Okay. Awesome. And so let's dive deep into, you had told me before we started recording that you're transitioning from just the athlete space to a holistic approach inside a business. But tell us a little bit more about what your business does, how it came to be and who you guys serve. Yeah. So we really look at building high performance ecosystems, both within athletic teams and business landscapes. And that's very intentional and very specific. And that's because it's combining my former athlete experience with my former business, specifically human resources experience. And one, the similarities that exist between those two worlds, even though it may not seem like it on the service, uh, but also the differences. And to bring that unique perspective, simply because while it exists across a lot of athletes, right? I, you know, I have a different lean on it. So the original like aha moment for the company of performance reimagined to start was really at the 2020 Olympics when I was kind of struggling from a business standpoint of like, what am I? Who am I? Who do I want to serve? What do I want to do? All these things. And it was watching Team USA. And I will humbly say, I don't believe that Team USA showed up as well as they did or as well as they have in 2020, which is understandable, provided everything that happened leading up to that. But it was the night that Simone Biles removed herself from competition. And it was the same night that Katie Ledecky won gold in the 1500 meter freestyle, the first time that women ever got to swim it at the Olympics. And it was about, I don't know, 10, 20 minutes later when Michael Phelps came on and basically said, competing is really overwhelming. We just want someone who listens to us, who allows us to be vulnerable and doesn't want to fix us. And I was like, yeah, that is what I felt as an athlete, but didn't know how to articulate at the time. So that morphed into, oh my gosh, head on, full strong. Let's go work with athletes on the mental side of the game. And the tagline we had was train your mind like you train your body. Because oftentimes the mind side is talked a lot, a lot, but not necessarily worked on. And as we got into the space of athletes, what was coming up more and more is that coaches warrant, you know, professional development on actual coaching and human interactions that morphed into parents. And it really just kind of, I had these aha moments based on specific examples I was going through as a parent, as a coach, all coming together in these things and saying, wait a minute, there's this huge opportunity to look at the entire team, the entire ecosystem, anybody who interacts with or comes into contact with athletes, coaches, parents, administrators, whatever the case may be, and supporting them. So on the athletic side, it's really being specific to high school programs because that there's a huge opportunity in that space, as well as club teams, because one, you know, you're seeing more and more of people really becoming specific in a sport a little bit younger in life and then, you know, being able to develop that. But on the business side of growing teams, whether they're small to medium-sized businesses, really trying to forge their culture, their space within whatever industry they, they are in, in order to create that cohesion and really optimize performance, as we say, without actually focusing on performance. I love it. I love it. We're super passionate about this exact topic coming from the athlete world ourselves. Yeah. And that's that's a, a, an entire ecosystem that we created was helping 
college athletes bridge the gap to being a business athlete because you don't really thrive at the bottom of the corporate ladder when you come out of a high-performance sport. So Lauren, share with us the exact process and how you go about when you enter an organization or a high school, what that process looks like of actually reimagining that culture and creating an ecosystem of high performance. Yeah. So it's very specific. And I, I'm very intentional about this first part is discovery of working with all of the different levels within the organization, with the different roles within the organization to understand what's working really well and where there are some gaps in all of that, right? In, in some of the early days, it was like, oh, just come in, we'll figure, you know, we'll do things and we'll do, you know, a, a more standardized process. But what I found was the real magic was in understanding very specifically what's going on within that culture or not within the culture from all of the different perspectives, gathering all of that information and then coming back to the leadership team and saying, you know, whatever the leadership team looks like within that organization and saying, here are the top three things. I'll use that example. Here are the top three things that are going really well. Here's how we can continue to utilize and optimize those things. Here are the quote unquote bottom three things, or here where's, here's where you're running into the biggest challenges. And here are some suggested methodologies of what we can implement in order to fix them or address them. I hate to say fix because nothing is ever broken. It's just off a little, right? but in order to address them. And it's really an iterative process with us. I personally am an experimenter. I don't like to come in and say, this is exactly what you need to do. It's here are the suggestions. Here's what we can implement. What are you willing to do? What are you willing to work with as part of what we've recommended? And then we work with the team very closely throughout that in order to see, hey, is what we're doing or what we're experimenting with really working? And do we need to adjust along the way? But we pull in every single role differently. So they're all learning or being educated or coached on the same types of things, but through their respective lens of whether it's an employee or an athlete or a coach or an AD or whatever the case may be, that's how we address each individual or each a group of individuals at their level and then bring it all together. So Walk me back a little bit. So 2020 is when you started this business. Mm -hmm. What did life look like before that? What was that transition like for you? Maybe just walk us through kind of what your previous life was before this life. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I had a, a really dark moment following retiring from swimming or leaving my D1 program at Eastern Michigan University. I didn't necessarily understand how challenging that would be. At the time when I retired, I, I'll date myself. It was in 2004. No one really talked about it. I had two older sisters who went through the same thing. Never mentioned a word of how hard it was for them. I thought I was the only one. I also thought I was the biggest loser. I was the biggest failure because just months after retiring from swimming, I took the LSAT because my dream was to go into law school, didn't get into law school. And I thought, oh, what the hell am I supposed to do with my life at this moment? So I went through some dark days, kind of found my path in human resources. And that's where I went and got my master's degree at the University of Cincinnati, go you see. And kind of the rest is history after that. I entered the market right when the market crashed in 2007, 2008. So that was an interesting learning curve in the human resources space. I had to learn what rifts were. I had to learn what, God, what uh, furloughs were. I had to learn all of these things. Spent about 12 years in that space and just thought, 
this is just not my space. Like something just was off. It was missing. I, I don't know how to describe it other than I wasn't having fun and I didn't like it, right? Just it wasn't necessarily for me. But being in the human resources space, I was introduced to the idea of executive coaching. And I thought, well, hey, maybe that's something that could re-energize my path here. So I went and got my coaching certification over a year-long program. It's one of the most extensive in the United States and one of the most successful and top rated. And I thought, well, heck, I can do this on my own. This is great. So I went, I started my practice in 2020. And it was really focused on leadership development and career transition and supporting others more in the corporate space because that's what I knew. About 18 months into that, it was kind of like, yeah, this is good, but something just still isn't right. That spark just wasn't fully lit. And that's when the Olympics started. And it was like, oh my God, I can transition all of this into supporting athletes, right? I, I had thought for the longest time I had to shut the door on my athletic experience, no one cared anymore. No one recognized, no one gave a crap that, you know, I was a Kentucky state champion or that I placed third in the Mac, but those things really did matter. And they mattered to me. And that's where I had the opportunity to bring all of this together and say, Hey, this is how I can utilize all of my experience and bring it to the world from a different point of view. You know, one of the biggest things that we find and just it's in such alignment with the community that you serve as Antonio and myself, both college athletes, we've, we've seen, we, well, previous college athletes, right? We're, we've been out of school for some time now, but <laughs> there's a huge identity crisis that you go through when you, when you leave. For myself, it was football. I was a quarterback. Antonio, he's a catcher in college. You know, and Antonio was even farther along. Like he was supposed to get drafted. I wasn't even trying to get drafted, right? But my whole life revolved around being the quarterback, being the guy from five years old all the way until I was 22 years old. I was the guy, right? So mm -hmm. that all stops. And now you're like, okay, now what? You know, a lot of guys you see, they're kind of hanging on for dear life, trying to make their dream come true. They're flying to Italy or flying to random countries and getting paid 50 bucks a, a week to, to play the game they love. And they're next thing you know, they're 29. They're like, I wish I never did that. I should have been starting my, my, my other, my next season of life, but I was holding on to something that wasn't there. I, I'm kind of riffing a little bit, right? But like, I guess, what are those conversations like for you and your clients and, and, and in that identity shift that takes place for them, you know, post-college? It's exactly what you just said. And that was the biggest aha moment for me when I came back into the athletic space of, it wasn't just me dealing with the transition of who the heck am I now that I no longer swim, you know, I wasn't Katie Ledecky or Michael Phelps. I wasn't going to the Olympics and I certainly wasn't going to join a master's team. I was kind of done with the sport by the time I was, by the time I was finished simply because of some of the things that had happened my last year. But those are the conversations. It's like, I know I was really good in this one space. I know I can be really good in another space. I just don't know what space I want to be in. I don't know what I'm good at other than showing up at practice, giving everything I possibly can in order to get what I want and just continuing to do that on repeat. I, I, you know, the conversations that I have with clients is just that it's like, I don't know what I'm good at. I, I, I don't know how to do anything other than dive into a pool and swim for two and a half hours and get my ass kicked, but that's great. That's what I love. And it was like, 
how do I do this? And then just hearing more and more of talking with transitioning athletes, that's what consistently and continually comes up. And so there's this huge opportunity, one, to say, hey, it's not just you going through this. Two, what you're going through is perfectly normal. And three, we can figure out and we will figure out what else you are good at because you learned quite a bit in the athletic world, even if it feels like it, even if it doesn't feel like it. I love the way that you came to figure out that you were basically your own target market, right? Like it, it hit us smack in the face after a while of trying to figure out like, this consistency wins brand of who we want to market to. And you realize like, it's a lot easier if I market to my past self, because I understand what goes into engineering the future person, but also what those trials and tribulations were. And it's a lot easier to have some feel with your audience. How do you transition that to a business model though? Tell us a little bit more about how you go to make a living off this specific service that you're providing. Like what does the business model look like? Yeah, well, that's where I had that aha moment of, you know, I love working one-on-one. I love being able to create that relationship with an athlete or a client, but also recognize that isn't necessarily the most scalable business model out there, right? And so really transitioning more from coaching specifically to either consulting and or a combination of coaching and really focusing on teams, right? That has always been the biggest struggle. Whenever anyone asks me, what is your biggest struggle in your business? It's being able to talk to athletic directors, athletes, coaches, parents, organizational leaders, employees. Like it's all of these different audiences that would resonate with the same message, but it needs to be delivered in a completely different way. And so that's why we shifted the business model to focus more on teams and coming in and saying, hey, we are here as your partner. We are not here to tell you exactly what to do. We are here to understand what's working really well so we can optimize that. We're here to understand what isn't working really well and provide you with suggestions in order to change that. And then we are here with you along the way. Our business model also is we don't want to create ourselves as a crutch, right? And I'm very intentional about that is to say we want to empower those within the organization, whether it's a club, a school, an organization to say, hey, we are creating this, what I like to call kind of your, your internal team all about how to create a culture from different perspectives and bringing them together to then infuse it back into the organization at a much wider and deeper level. <laughs> when you're working with schools, what are some of the hurdles? Because we, we do some programs with schools as well, and it is a little bit of a hurdle to actually get things implemented because of there's budgets and there's a lot of mm-hmm like hoops and things that you have to go through and run a red tape. Tell us a little bit more about that process. Yeah, going through the same thing. You know, there's an opportunity to really kind of figure out because each school is different in whether you work with public schools or whether you work private schools or independent schools. You know, one of the things, there are some different things going on here in Ohio related to how education is funded. And so we're trying to maneuver some of those and understand those ins and outs to create more of a value proposition to schools to say, hey, here's maybe a little bit more effective way to fund these things without breaking the bank of the school or breaking the bank of the parents. The other hurdle too is addressing all of the different audiences, right? You know, so going into a school, that main contact is the athletic director, 
the athletic director has decision-making power, but maybe only up to a point or a certain financial uh, threshold. Then you also have the parents who have every right to understand what their children are learning and how to support them. And then you've got to get in contact with the athletes. And then there's the hurdle of the coaches. Some of them are teachers. Most of them that I'm finding now are not, which is different than when I was growing up. Most coaches within a school were also teachers, but now you're seeing more and more coming from outside, whether they have a corporate job or, or whatever the case may be. And so now, again, it's back to that challenge of talking to all of these different audiences and relaying a message in a way that makes the most sense for them. And oh, by the way, doing it in an already busy schedule for every single person. Question to that tune. I had for you was how do you navigate just the ego that exists out there in athletics, right? There's a lot of different ego that comes in a lot of different forms and shapes of athletes and male, female, it doesn't really matter, right? Like we, we all like to be right and we like to dominate and we don't like someone else telling us we're not dominating, right? So like, what are some of those conversations like for you? You know, I imagine sometimes a little uncomfortable at times, oh. right? But Oh, for sure. You know, for me, it's all about finding the advocate, of, of the message. And yes, you're going to have some of those egos. And to be quite honest, there are times when I've walked away from a conversation or walked away from a potential partnership because of the ego, because it is really important for everybody because they all become a stakeholder to buy into this different kind of message. But if there are egos, I look for the advocate. I look for the person who's nodding their head during these conversations. I look for the person who's engaging in the conversation or asking more questions of trying to dig a little bit deeper, well beyond just the surface of winning or losing. Um, oh, and in full transparency, there have been times where I've let my ego get <laughs> the better of me and that comes out. But, you know, I've been working on my own self-awareness and being able to temper that and really show the value that comes when we look at performance a little differently than we have before. I love it. And, and as we near the the wrap-up point of the interview, I see behind you that there's a – if you guys can't see because we post on audio, it says consistency is what transforms average into excellence. It could not be more relevant to this podcast since we are the Consistency Wins podcast. Lauren, can you share with us what consistency really means to you and how that shows up in your life? Oh, consistency. This is where I really draw on my athletic experience because every single day, as Landon was saying, from the age of five until I was 22, I went to practice. I mean, legitimately, by the time I was a senior in high school, I was practicing seven days a week and I had 11 practices. So I, I'm used to consistency, but what I also realized is I'm used to consistency when that structure is already set up for me, when I don't have to be the one to set up that structure. So as a business owner, and even as an adult, I've had to get really good at, okay, how do I build consistency into my life? And it's gotten to the point where I have a very regimented schedule that I follow to keep myself consistent. And actually it, it was something that I pulled from Stephen Kotler from anybody who knows him as an author, all talks about flow and peak performance. And I really resonate with a lot of his messages. And I used this 20 minute webinar that he and his 
co-founder or, or, or co-CEO did about how to set up a structure, you know, a daily structure. And that's what I follow. And I just remind myself that consistency is something that I really resonate with. And discipline is something that I really resonate with. A lot of times I get some pushback of, you know, discipline is too much hard of a word. While that may be true for some, it works for me. And so that's what I do. And that's how I structure. And that's how I keep myself on consistency, not only for myself and my own health, but the business and supporting athletes and their teams as well. Love that answer, man. Love that answer. So Lauren, what is your vision for what is to come and how can our listeners follow your journey and connect with you? Yeah. So my vision is to transform the way that athletic and business teams look at performance. You know, we're so focused on the outcome, the wins and losses, you know, the record, the, the metrics, the things we can put on a PL or the things we can put on a record board. While those are fun and those are great to celebrate, any former athlete knows even months later, they don't matter. Right. And it's all about looking at the process because you wouldn't be able to get to those outcomes if you didn't have a process. And the formal definition of performance is looking at the process of accomplishing a goal. And so my vision is to transform the way that we look at performance in order to optimize it. Anybody out there can follow me at performancereimagined.com, at performance underscore reimagined underscore on Instagram. And for those who are ADs or coaches or more in the professional world, at Lauren Ammon on LinkedIn. Lauren, you, you spoke right through to our hearts on this one. This, this one hits home pretty, pretty aggressively. So thank you so much for coming on. We appreciate the mission that you're on and we're excited to support and see it continue to unfold. Thank you guys so much for having me. I appreciate it.